Chapter 4 We waited in the outdoor seating area of a Burger King down the street. Just the four of us. Axe would have been slightly obvious, and there was no way to trust him in Human Morph anywhere near Grease and Salt. Tobias was off scouting out David's house. It was night, but there was plenty of light. Cars driving by, a weird glow from the used car lot across the street, and the big Burger King sign itself. It was chilly, so we were dressed warmly. Kind of a problem, since, if we were going to morph, we'd lose our clothes. So we'd worked out a plan. Two of us would stay behind. One boy, one girl. We'd shed the outer clothes in the restrooms. Then the two who were staying back would hold on to them. It is so annoying not being able to morph outer clothing. Short french fry stays here, I said. I broke two french fries in half. I put one short fry and one long in my fist. Alright, Jake, grab a fry. He pulled out the short one. Looks like I'm going and you are pulling bathroom duty, I said cheerfully. Cassie and Rachel drew too. Rachel won. Or lost, depending on your point of view. You and me, Xena, I said. Rachel arced one eyebrow at me. You know, if I'm Xena, what's that make you? Hercules, obviously. I was thinking more Joxer. Isn't that the annoying weenie who hangs around Xena? Okay, that does it. I stuck my elbow up on the table, arm upright in the arm wrestling position. Let's go, come on. Let's settle this once and for all. Jake yawned. Shouldn't we have a pair of live scorpions to make it interesting? Rachel grinned and stuck her arm up alongside mine. Our hands clasped. I pushed. She pushed. And then... Ow! A sudden sharp pain in my knee. An instant later, my hand slammed down on the table. You kicked me! She kicked me under the table! Jake! Your cousin kicked me! Rachel laughed. Who cares how you win, as long as you win? Cassie rolled her eyes. You don't really believe that, Rachel. No, wait a minute. You probably do. Good grief, the two of you off alone on this mission, Jake muttered. Instead of dumb and dumber, it's crazy and crazier. Rachel and I looked at each other and both burst out laughing. Crazy and crazier, Rachel repeated, deliberately laughing crazily. Yeah, but which of us is which? I looked up and saw a kid walking toward us. He was carrying a burger bag. I got serious in a hurry. Eric, I said to Jake. Eric King is this kid who used to go to our school. At least, that's what he looks like, acts like, and sounds like. But every part of Eric you see is a holographic projection. The real Eric is inside the hologram. The real Eric is an android. Eric is one of the Chi, a very, very old race of androids, created by the long-dead Pemalites. The Chi are unable to commit any violent act, despite being frighteningly powerful. But they hate the Yurks and love humans. Or, actually, they love dogs. And they love humans because we love dogs too. Another long story. Bottom line is that the Chi are allies of ours, who are amazingly good at infiltrating the Yurks. Hey, Eric, Jake said calmly. Rachel nodded. Cassie smiled. Hi, guys. What's up? Eric said sounding exactly like any normal kid, rather than a robot so old he helped build the pyramids.
Not much, I said, cutting off Cassie before she could explain what we were up to. We trust the Chi, but there's no point giving out any more information than is necessary. I'm suspicious by nature. What's up with you, Eric? Jake asked. Eric took out a whopper and unwrapped it. He took a big bite and chewed it. I knew that in reality, the food would simply be incinerated inside Eric's android body. No cheese? I asked him. He shook his head and grinned. I try and keep my fat intake down. Yeah, right. You want to live to the ripe old age of, what, a billion years? Eric laughed again. Then he put down the burger. Something big is happening. No one knows about this yet. It's not going to be announced publicly till it's all over. For security reasons. What's happening? Rachel asked eagerly, leaning forward. Oh, nothing much, the android said coyly. Just a summit meeting right here in town. The presidents or prime ministers of Britain, France, Russia, Japan, Germany, and the United States are all coming here to figure out what to do about all the problems in the Middle East. Uh Uh-huh, Rachel said, unimpressed. So? It's the ultimate target, Cassie said. The leaders of six powerful nations, all in one place at one time? Right here, where the Yurk invasion is strongest? Jake leaned closer to Eric. You have any reason to believe the Yurks are thinking about going after all these guys? Eric nodded. The planning is underway. The presidents and prime ministers start arriving day after tomorrow. They'll be staying at the big Marriott Resort down the coast. This could be an opportunity, Cassie said thoughtfully. If we could reach these leaders somehow, show them, prove to them what's happening. I mean, the Yurks could be totally exposed. And on the flip side, if the Yurks make controllers of these guys, that's the ball game. We're done, I pointed out. One big problem, Eric said. Just one, I said. Okay, lots of big problems, and one huge problem, Eric said, not smiling his holographic smile. One of the leaders is already a controller. Make the wrong move, approach the wrong leader, and... He let it hang. You don't know which leader is the controller? Jake asked. Eric shook his head. If we did, it'd just be a big problem, not a huge one. Chapter 5 Eric left, and the four of us just sat there, staring at each other. None of us wanted to think about a world where the presidents of the United States and most of the other major powers were slaves of the Yurks. We'd have to try and stop them. Okay, one thing at a time, Jake said. We deal with this blue box situation first. Suddenly, I felt something pass by overhead. Tobias swooped over and landed on the R in Burger King. No problem, he reported. Kid's window is wide open. I can see the blue box sitting on his desk. In and out. I'd have just done it myself, but you said to report back. Jake nodded like he was nodding to me. Thought speak only works when you're in morph. Tobias could do it. We couldn't. Tobias cocked his head and stared harder. Okay, who died? You all look like you just got news that school vacation's been cancelled. Never mind, tell me later. In a conversational tone of voice, Jake said, 
Okay, well, let's get this over with. Rachel and Marco, let's go. We went inside, looking like any normal group of kids. Me and Jake went to the men's washroom. It was a small, single-stall room. There was no one else in there. We locked the door. I shucked off my sweatshirt. Don't lose that shirt, I said. It was signed by Steve Young. Marco, it was signed like two years ago, and you've washed it at least once since then. The name is totally invisible now. I didn't say it was still signed, did I? I said it was signed. It has sentimental value. Jake looked around at the gloomy surroundings. Just part of the glamour of life as a superhero. Yeah, what happened to those big walk-in phone booths the old Superman always changed in? You know, I still just can't get used to the new Superman, Jake said. I began to focus on the morph. This was an airmail job. Bird time. In through the window, snatch up the box, and zoom right back out. No problemo, as Rachel had said. Nothing to worry about, especially when compared to what Eric had just told us. I was very familiar with the morph. An osprey. Ospreys are a kind of hawk. Normally, they live near water and eat fish. Very rarely do they hang out in the men's bathroom at Burger King. I focused my mind and began to shrink. The urinal was suddenly eye-level, and Jake looked even larger than usual. At the door. There's someone in here, Jake yelled. I continued morphing. My skin turned gray. Gray like a dirty chalkboard. Like I'd been dead for a couple of weeks. It's very disturbing to look down and see your skin turn gray, let me tell you. But not as disturbing as when the feather patterns appear, like line drawings, and then sort of flare up, going 3D. My fingers stretched out, elongating compared to the rest of my hands and arms. As they elongated, though, they slipped right out of the skin, so they became dry, white bird bone. Ew! Jake said, laughing in disgust. That's something new. Oh, man. I don't need to ever see that again, I said. Morphing is very unpredictable. It's not just this sort of gradual thing. It goes through phases. Sudden, bizarre, totally gross-looking stages. The bare bones thing was something new. And deeply, deeply not pretty. Is someone in there? A voice demanded. Yeah, someone is in here, Jake yelled. Jeez. Come out of here right now. What? Jake demanded. Well, I demanded, having just that moment had my lips turn into hard beak. Are you kids in there doing drugs? The voice demanded. No. Jake looked down at me, exasperated. Hurry up. Get out here, now. A new voice. A very authoritative voice. I heard the sound of a key turning in the lock. Stop morphing, Jake hissed. Stand up straight and keep quiet. I stood there, about 90% osprey. I was maybe two feet tall, standing on my talons. Jake swept the sweatshirt over me. He pulled the hood over my head and yanked the string. The door opened. Two people stood there, glaring at us. A teenager in a Burger King uniform, and a manager. I'm just trying to let my little brother go to the bathroom, Jake said, patting me on the shoulder. The kid and the man both looked down at me. I was standing inside a sweatshirt that was so huge it lay in folds around my feet, which was a good thing since my feet were talons. 
The arms hung limp. Your little brother? The manager asked. Why is his sweatshirt so big? Hey, that sweatshirt was signed by Steve Young, Jake said, like that was an explanation. Something's wrong with his face, the kid said. Jake put his arm around me protectively. Don't listen to them, Tommy, he said with a sob in his voice. Your face is just fine. It's just fine, I tell you. The doctor says someday you may be normal again. Hey, I didn't mean anything by... The kid said. What is it? The manager asked in a concerned tone. I mean, his disease. Jake went blank. Um... Bikonoma. I whispered to Jake in thought speak. Bikonoma, Jake said. A growth in the shape of a beak. I explained. It's a, uh, a growth in the shape of a beak, Jake said. It's especially tragic and all, because it only afflicts really smart, really cute people, I said. Oh, shut up, Jake muttered under his breath. Jake hustled me away, as fast as I could walk on talons while wearing a massive sweatshirt. Chapter 6 David lived in a basic kind of home. Two stories, a lawn, a backyard with a barbecue, and a rusty swing set. Also, a pool. I was instantly jealous. I don't have a pool. He had one of those upstairs bedrooms. Tobias, Rachel, and I zoomed past the house at an altitude of 50 feet or so. I could see why Tobias doesn't like to fly at night. In the darkness, Hawkeyes aren't much better than human eyes. And after the sun goes down... You start losing thermals, the warm updrafts that make flying easier. So it was hard flapping to cover the few blocks from Burger King to David's house. And talk about confusing. You ever tried to tell one house from the next at night? From 50 feet in the air? Not easy. But the pool was lit, and in fact, David was in the water, swimming back and forth. His room was brightly lit, which helped us see, and I easily spotted the blue cube on his desk. Okay, I'm going in, Rachel said. "Uh Uh-uh, I don't think so, Tobias said. You're too big in that bulky eagle morph. You can't fly through that window. Me and Marco had better go. Oh, man, Rachel complained. But even she could see Tobias was right. Give us a warning if David gets out of the pool, Tobias said. Then he spilled air from his wings and stabilized on a glide path straight for the bright rectangle of the window. But I managed to get out ahead of him. Ha! Huh, I said. Marco, careful if you're going first. You'll need to flare as soon as you pass the windowsill. I mean instantly, or you'll smack the far wall. Hey, I'm not as experienced as you are, Tobias, but I'm not a complete idiot. No, you're an incomplete idiot. Rachel called down helpfully. I zoomed, down, down through the night, aimed straight for the window. It was cool, like what it must be like to land a jet on an aircraft carrier at night. Just a little glowing target in the darkness. Make sure you stay clear of that stick, Tobias said. He was just six feet behind me. What stick? I asked. And then the window was suddenly right in front of me. It was a trick of the light. It had seemed further away. I tried to slow down, ready to flare once I was in. And then I saw the stick. The stick that was propping the window open. Thwack! 
My left wing hit the stick. What? I yelled. Blam! The window fell shut with a horrendous slam. Bonk. Tobias hit the closed window. Bonk. I hit the wall, too distracted to flare. I hit. I fell. I landed behind a dresser. I was wedged in a space about three inches, unable to move. All I could do was slowly slither down to the carpet. Tobias! Rachel cried. I'm okay! Tobias said. Professor Plum did it in the conservatory with the candlestick. Tobias was alive, but he must have hit fairly hard. He seemed to be reliving a game of Clue. I wasn't exactly in great shape myself. I scooted sideways, inch by inch. Uh-oh. I scooted faster, faster, desperate to get out from behind the dresser. I felt something batting at my exposed talons. I knew what it was. One wing free, then my body, and then... The kitty said. The very big kitty. The big gray tabby, with its mouth drawn back from needle teeth. Good kitty, I said. Good kitty. The kitty didn't like big birds in its bedroom. And it really didn't like big talking birds in its bedroom. Kitty said, explaining its feelings to me. Miss Scarlet? Was it Miss Scarlet with the plum and the professor? Tobias wondered. Marco, get out of there! Rachel yelled. I saw a cat! Yeah, I kind of noticed him, I said. We've all seen house cats. I've seen lots of house cats. But they look radically different when you're a bird. Even a big, tough, predatory bird. Slash! The cat swiped at my wing, claws extended. Okay, Mr. Kitty, you want to do this? You want to throw down? Fine, I'll kick your butt! Mr. Kitty was not impressed. Mr. Kitty jumped. He went from being two feet away to being zero feet away in just about a billionth of a second. Ah! I yelled. Meow! The cat said. Suddenly, it was a wild tangle of claws and talons and beaks and teeth. And I swear, we must have looked like one of those cartoons where Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam are fighting and all you can see is swirling dust and cartoon stars. We fell apart, glaring and panting at each other. I had gotten in a few good hits, but Mr. Kitty was fast. And Mr. Kitty had clawed my belly down to the skin, bitten me in the neck, wing, other wing, and left leg, all in approximately six seconds. I wasn't up for a second round. I did not want my obituary to say, died from injuries sustained while battling a fat house cat. That would be embarrassing. I could demorph, or I could escape. Out through the shut window? No. Through the closet door? No. Which left demorphing. Except, right then, Rachel decided to rescue me. Crash! The window exploded. In blew a rock, followed by a massive bald eagle, wings folded. She flared. Her wings practically stretched from wall to wall. She landed on the bed. Rawr! Mr. Kitty said in a very surprised voice. Come on, let's bail! Rachel yelled. And that's when the door slammed open.
In came David. The cat screeched and leapt onto the curtains beside the window. Out the door, Rachel said. I'm with you, I said. We have to grab that cube. I'll distract David. You grab it, Rachel said. She began flapping her wings madly and lashing out all around with her talons. Whoa, David yelled. Rachel began tearing up the pillows. Feathers floated around the room. The cat was climbing toward the ceiling. I hopped and flapped over to the desk. The cube! There it was! David lurched to the desk like he was going to attack me. But instead, he yanked open a drawer and whipped out... A gun? A gun? This kid has a gun? I yelped. From far off, I heard, Actually, Miss Scarlet, I think you should have used the wrench. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening to another week. Um, I don't... I don't have anything to say this week, so let's just uh, get through this. I'm going to try to speedrun it, because my fans are off, and we're in that time of year, folks. It's warm outside, and my room traps heat, and I'm sweating, so let's go. Uh, thank you for listening. If you use Apple Podcasts and want to give me a rating and or review, you can certainly uh, do that. I would appreciate it. I'll read it, I'll like it, and I'll feel good about it. Um, you can also tell a friend about this podcast if you think they'd enjoy it. I'll also appreciate that, although I probably won't know about it unless I'm the friend you're telling. Uh, that'd be weird, huh? If one of my friends was just like, hey, Daniel, check out this podcast that you made. It's pretty good. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you would rather just, uh, send in some sort of message to me, it could be, you know a question or a comment or a story or even hate mail, really. I'll take some hate mail. Uh, you can do that in a number of ways. You can do that through uh, email at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do it on Twitter, at audiomorphs. Or you can do it through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's theapodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, speaking of that website, it also hosts all the uh, other random creative projects I do and have done. Uh, the only really active updating one right now uh, is my other podcast, Into the Rewatch Podcast, where me and my friend Jesse rewatch shows, or I guess it's going to turn into kind of a reaction podcast because we're uh, quickly entering the phase where neither of us have seen the show we're discussing until we watch it for the podcast, so that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, we're currently covering Riverdale. We're about midway through season three, I think, a little bit under midway. Uh, it's a good time, good fun. We laugh a lot. Uh, so if that sounds fun to you, you know, go ahead and check it out. It's currently, I think, just Jesse and our friend Jackson are the only two download numbers we have on that one. That one's really just kind of for us, you know. It's kind of a personal, this one's for us sort of podcast. Don't really try to uh, <laughs> get listener numbers up on that one or, or care too much about the quality um, this is just an excuse for us to watch Riverdale and talk the shit. Uh, that is all I have this week. So thank you all for listening once again, and I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>